You know what time it is. It's lacrosse link time. And welcome to another episode. I'm Tanner Fetch and Steven Stamp is riding along with me. We're talking NCAA champions today. We got Ryan Barnable, who scored the double overtime winner for RIT to capture their first ever title. And we got back-to-back champ Peyton Cormier. He's talking about his experience in building up to the championship and what it feels like to take home some hardware. Beautiful play, Aaron Gray definitely uh, physical, um, athletic, and somebody to be watching for. In the middle, it just bounces off, but it's picked up and scores! Joining me on Lacrosse Link is Ryan Barnable of the RIT Tigers, who last week you guys won 15-14 in double overtime over Salisbury to finish a perfect season. 14-0, and 0, earn your Division Three NCAA championship. Congratulations on that, and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's great to have you on. And uh, to me, looking at the season, it's it's always interesting to see you guys go through the season with one one-goal game, three two-goal games, including the tournament semifinals. But most of your wins coming by pretty substantial margins, obviously a very solid team. How hard is it to get ready for what you're going to assume are going to be more tightly competitive games in the tournament. And how do you guys prepare for that? Um, we just spent a lot of time focusing on us in practice. We truly believe we're practicing against the best team in the country. That's how we approach every day. And we just get better in that sense. And then we just roll the ball out and we um, we're really just focused on us. Obviously you guys have a lot of depth, um, a lot of great things happening. And, and the one thing that everyone's talking about, of course, is the overtime goal. But to set it all up, you guys are trailing by 20 seconds, or trailing with 20 seconds to play in regu- regulation. You had to get that late goal from Quinn Commandant. And uh, I'm curious what that whole thing felt like for you guys, what you're thinking as you know, you're trailing and they've got the ball with half a minute to go. Yeah, that was um, that was crazy. I remember we where they had the ball and we just all had to get back in the hole and we just um, – we were just trying to double the ball as fast as we can, try and get two of our better defenders out there, get Walker out of the cage. And then I think I ended up on Bromwell or something. I didn't see the midline what happened. I just had to get my man, deny him the ball, give our D guys a chance to do what they do, right? So um, we were fortunate enough to get that. Whatever happened, I still haven't seen it. So, And then obviously Rosenblum picks it up, goes down and, him, Dawson, Quinn do what they do. It was awesome. They stuck it in the back of the net and then everything else happened. So it was beautiful. It was awesome. I think it's a testament to, to what happened that the, uh, normally if there's a, an official's call that plays a role in a big goal like that, there's going to be some controversy and talk about it. I didn't hear anybody complain. It was a pretty clear push in the back that, that affected the play. It leads to that goal. You're heading to double overtime or you're heading to overtime. And of course, a couple of years ago in the NCAA tournament, you lose to Williams in double overtime. So I'm curious what you guys are able to take from that experience to prepare you for another, obviously very tense situation. I think it was just the confidence of this group. Um, we never for a second in that game thought it was that we were going to lose. Like that never was a thought going through our minds. I think it was like a lot of guys shut the lights out of the ball, really confident out there. And uh, I think that confidence and that growth from that Williams loss, I think, uh, like, 
we lost about seven, eight guys from that team and everyone else is back really. And I think we just grew from that loss and then transitioned into that this year. And we um, ended up closing it out and getting the chip. I want you to take me through the, the goal in double overtime a bit, because the one thing that really stuck out to me was, you know, Dawson Tate is way back behind the goal line as he gets the restart. He just, just got there for the uh, possession, got to the, uh, towards the line. And then you, and, and it was Larson Sundown, right? That was beside you cutting across. Yeah. I think he yeah. was behind me. Yeah. So he's right behind you. He's cuts through really quick. because One defender goes with him, but you had your defender on your back and it looked like you just, were set up like that on the restart. And it seemed like it seemed a bit surprising to me that you were both able to seal your guys so well. Yeah. I don't, um, I know they were doing a lot of short stick shut throughout the game. So he was like really close to me. And then when I like, I just kind of like hitched a bit and cut to the other side of the net. I don't know. I just was fortunate enough to uh, lose him, but yeah, Dawson, that was an unbelievable ball. If you watch the, the replay, it's right on my ear. Like, that's just us, like, always before practice, slinging it around, like, screwing around, like, trying stuff like that. And it just happened to work out for us. It was, And you didn't lose them by much. Obviously, you didn't have to lose them by a whole yeah. lot because you get a little bit of space. Tate whips that ball into you. And the big thing everyone seemed to be talking about as well was, hey, how do you make that pass? How do you make that catch? And how do you get that shot off? And the answer that all of us, of course, up north of the border are saying is, hey, it's box across. How big of a factor do you think that is for, for you guys being able to make that play? Um, well, for starters, that pass, like, I wouldn't have been able to make the play without that pass. It was right, like I said, right in my ear. But that just brings you back to, like, the backyard, screwing around, like, just with my neighbors and all that. And um, just all those tight quarters. And we were fortunate enough to finish it there. It was just awesome. It was an amazing pass. It was uh, obviously a lot of juice on it. Um, did you... Did you know you, I mean, you saw it coming through. I'm curious how good a view you had of Dawson over there as you're across with, with the net between you and when you knew it was in your stick and getting it into the net. Um, well, he went up, he did a good job. He was slow to pick it up, kind of looked before he picked it up and gave, yeah. I thought it was me. Maybe it was nodding to Larson, but <laughs> I thought it was me. And then I cut and then he just made that great pass. So yeah, he gave a little bit of a nod to his right. It was just the hard when you look you could you couldn't really see it but when I got around the pipe I saw it like you lost in netting and then I saw it after I cleared the pipe it went right in my stick and I just finished it so it was awesome nice now I'm wondering what is next for you I know uh, you were listed as a senior this year but everyone's got the extra did you graduate this year are you coming out are you going in the NLL draft because I've got you listed projected as a you know potential first round pick in the NLL draft but what do you know what you're doing yet I'm coming back to school. You are? I have okay. one more year left. Yeah. Excellent. So I'll, I'll bump you in my prospect rankings to next year and uh, get ready for that. And what, uh, how many of the guys are coming back? Because it's a bit of a gray area, right, with the, with the extra years. I don't think we're losing many four-year guys. Guys who are in there. I think the, a lot, some of the fifth years are done. I'm sure Coach will do some talking to them. But <laughs> I, I don't know. They're just, I know a handful have got jobs. And are always, I think they're already starting them this Monday. So right. congratulations to them. But I don't know the ins and outs. I think we're going to work through it this summer. Like, Cooners or coach is going to, like, assess who's coming in, who's leaving. Like, we'll see. Hopefully a lot of the guys come back. 
should be a pretty potent team once again. The last thing I want to ask you about, just going through your uh, the your bio picks, the the headshots from the team over your four years at RIT, it looks like you've gradually been working on the beard and on the facial hair, just a little bit more each year. And now you've got the pretty full uh, full on going. Have you been consciously doing that, or has that just been what you've been able to come up with? Um, the guys used to give me a hard time when I was a freshman. I didn't. You see it in the picture. It's like. It's patchy, it's stubbly everywhere, but yeah, I've been working on it for sure. You know, shaving it. Hopefully it grows back thicker and everything. No. Hopefully it's thicker next year. Looks good. And I think you'll be uh, in great shape to uh, have, a, have a really nice headshot for next year and obviously a great season uh, for you guys that you're looking ahead to. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hi, this is Jaden with Al Anderson Source for Sports. Excited to tell you that we got all our new lacrosse product in for this upcoming season. Whether you're playing box or field, our lacrosse experts are going to make sure we get you into the right equipment to elevate your game. At Al Anderson Source for Sports, we know our stuff. Welcome to the show again here. I got Peyton Cormier with me. How are you, Peyton? I'm good. I'm good. How about you? Oh, just living the dream over here, especially after watching you win another ring. Um, just, I guess, describe that overall experience. Let's jump right into it of winning a championship here in the Div 1 game. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely something special. Um, you know, it's what you dream about as a kid um, and being able to go out there and actually get to that game um, and not only just get there, but, you know, come out on the winning end it's it's definitely a special feeling and is that's back-to-back championships for your team so you guys kind of knew what it feels like to do it um was there anything different about this year's prize um yeah you know just with that that whole you know covid you know pandemic um it was definitely a unique situation that first championship you know we kind of did our own thing um went down you know the regular route that a team goes down in order to win a championship. Um, and then this year, it, it was completely different. The, you know, the sacrifices that everybody had to make, um, you know, it definitely felt a little different winning that championship. 100%. I mean, pandemic and everything, and you still come out on top. Um, what did the season buildup look like for you guys within that locker room? What was the dynamic like building into the playoffs here as you move forward? Yeah, um, you know, at the start of the year, it was definitely a little tough for us. We didn't, you know, have a start that we wanted to. Um, but, you know, even with those losses, we knew that our team could accomplish, you know, what we accomplished in 2019. 
Um, you know, this year coming, we, we finished dead last in the ACC. Um, and that really wasn't, you know, too frightening for us. We, we understood that, you know, as, as long as we get into the tournament, um, you know, we got a shot at, you know, doing something special. Um, and, th and that's what we did, you know, ever since game one um, of that tournament, Brian, you know, a lot better than most people predicted. They were a very, very good team, especially in that first round. And it kind of got us prepared for what the tournament's going to, going to bring. Um, and then, you know, from there, um, it just, you know, went the right way. It was kind of the comeback story there. You beat a tough team and you build that confidence, right? Moving forward. And speaking of confidence, um, how did playing in Canada and playing the box game build confidence and how did it help your field game, I guess, and help you uh, bring your skills from the box out onto the field? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I tell everybody on my team, um, you know, and everybody that watches me, everybody that asks me questions that, you know, box was the biggest thing for me growing up. Um, if I never played box, you know, I wouldn't be as comfortable, you know, dealing with contact, dealing with pressure, um, you know, catching and finishing in, in tight places. Um, the box game, you know, really brought that to me. Um, and I would say without it, you know, I, I don't really know what kind of player I would be. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a guy that is really, really good with pressure and, you know, that contact, I, I enjoy it. Um, and, you know, coming back in the summers, playing box lacrosse, that's, you know, one of my favorite things. So um, I would just say without, you know, that experience of playing box, I'm not too sure what type of player I would be. For sure. Cause you look really comfortable, right? Right in tight. And like you said, right under pressure, um, you look right at home. And I think that's something that the box game brings. And I think a lot of kids in Canada who do play box get that advantage just like you do when they move forward and could take a crack at a championship just like you, right? Absolutely. Um, how hard was it to battle back from an injury and then jump on the field and get yourself to the level that you were at now and then win a championship out of it? Yeah. Um, you know, that was definitely one of the toughest things I ever you know, went through in 2019 tearing my ACL. Um, it took me almost 10 months until I got cleared to practice again. Um, and, you know, at the start of it, I never thought like, you know, there's something that could take me out for a whole year. Like, like I, I was, you know, in crutches, I was in a wheelchair at the start. Um, you know, it was a very, very tough thing to do and, you know, credit, you know, the training staff there at UVA, you know, they really, really helped me um, to a point now where, you know, I honestly, I forget about it when I'm playing. Um, you know, I'm more confident in that knee than I am with my other knee. Like it, it's something that just like, you know, mentally, um, you know, I went, I went through everything for so long that, you know, I became very, very confident in, in my legs. Um, and, you know, that helped me um, to go with, you know, being able to be a part of this team rather than 2019, um, you know, not being able to, to play and, you know, be as helpful as I, I wish I was. Um, you know, it's definitely different, especially, you know, seeing national championship teams, you, teams don't really go back twice. Um, and, you know, seeing, you know, going there in 2019 and just thinking, you know, am I ever going to be able to, you know, be on the team when we go back to a championship? Um, you know, it was just a great feeling. Yeah, that is crazy, right? We should be playing the song, Drake song back to back right now, because most teams don't go back to back. It's a really hard thing. It's hard enough to win one. And then you go back to back and you know what, it's remarkable too, what the human body can do and what your body did come back from an injury and then bring yourself to this pinnacle point in your career here. Um, it's, it's really amazing. And I really feel for you. 
are you going back to the box right away here? Or are you going to just soak this championship up? Yeah, you know, I, I want to play box, um, you know, depending on when, when that starts up. Hopefully it does. Um, right now, you know, coming back to Canada, I have to do my two weeks. That's why I'm, you know, locked here in the basement. Um, so I got, you know, a few more days of that. Um, and then, you know, hopefully once we start opening up, you know, box lacrosse slowly comes back and we're able to have, you know, some sort of season. Cause I really, I haven't played box lacrosse in the last three years. So, so you're missing the box for sure. And it's missing. Yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, Peyton, thank you so much for your time. I think I'm going to be looking at you like Tom Brady with rings all over your fingers here. If things keep going the way they're going. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for sitting down with Lacrosse Link and doing the interview. Um, it's a pleasure having you, and I look forward to watching you on the field and in the box moving forward. Thank you. Thank you. It was great, great being here. Hi, this is Jaden with Al Anderson Source for Sports. Excited to tell you that we got all our new lacrosse product in for this upcoming season. Whether you're playing box or field, our lacrosse experts are going to make sure we get you into the right equipment to elevate your game. At Al Anderson Source for Sports, we know our stuff. Welcome lacrosse fans to the rundown section of our show. This is Lacrosse Link and we're glad you're on board and stuck around to the end. Let's start with the first topic. Gary Gate is named the head coach of the Syracuse men's lacrosse team. He knows lacrosse. Him and his brother were all-stars in the field and the box game. And he spent 14 years coaching the Orange women's program. Now he's making the jump to men's. I think he's bringing a lot to the table for this program. Yeah, I mean, it's Gary Gate, right? The really cool thing, I think, is that if I'm remembering correctly, he's the fifth coach in, what, 105 years of the program. That makes the Pittsburgh Steelers look like they're flighty and changing coaches a lot. Uh, Caitlin DeFleece named as the interim coach for the women. So uh, lots of uh, cool stuff going on at Syracuse, which it's good for them to have some, some positive news. I mean, they can honor John Desco, Desco for his long career because obviously they've had some issues uh, this year that have been tough. So good for them to get some positive stuff coming out. Uh, the PLL opening weekend just happened the redwoods rolled to two straight wins the whip snakes won a championship rematch over chaos and the cannons coming in as the i guess expansion team or the uh, absorbed team in the merger win their first pll game after they dropped their opener now of course the redwoods and cannons players dominating the stats leaders after they've each played two games you got to think though andrew q and lyle thompson might just stick up there among the scoring leaders all year they've got seven each after the opening weekend you know what? It was a phenomenal weekend of lacrosse. And I got to mention Paul Rabel. He played, started with the Boston Cannons and played in the MLL with them. Now he gets to represent the Cannons again, but in the PLL, he got five points in the two games. He had a phenomenal weekend. And then Rob Pinnell again, dominated the charts with nine points total. He's an athlete. What a great weekend of lacrosse. Now moving on to the next topic, talking about the PLL as well, but injuries plaguing the Chrome, who had Randy Stats and Jordan Wolf injured, and Matt Gadette is injured and suspended. So they need someone at attack. I'm looking to Mark Matthews, the Saskatchewan All-Star, who knows how to rip the ball. And he also dominated in the MLL. Give him a call. Yeah, Matthews is a great option, I believe. I saw 
someone posted that he said he can go down. He's got a place to stay. He's happy to go down and can make it across. So I don't know what their quarantine situation is or what their protocols are exactly. Clark Peterson, another option. And uh, there are some other guys around who there's a lot of talent that's not in the league yet. So it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. Sticking with field for a little bit, the uh, Tuartan Awards announced on the weekend. And again, a touch of a PLL uh, connection there as they were handed out in the halftimes of the PLL games. Jared Bernhardt wins the Maryland attack among a very competitive group of attack players for the men. And on the women's side, Charlotte North from Boston College, not really surprising. The big thing I'm seeing is people saying, hey, she's not just the best female player in college lacrosse. She's the best player, period. Pretty hard to argue with her. 102 goals. She's a perpetual motion machine. Ton of talent. Now she's heading off to Team USA trials. and You have to like her chances there as well. You know what? Those are two well-deserving athletes that get an award. Something else to add to their trophy, show, trophy case, right? And now sticking again with the field, the NCAA, the rules committee now is looking to change the 80-second shot clock to 60 seconds and try and speed up the pace of the game. I love box, right? Why don't we make it 30? I'm all for it. Really get this game tight and fast and get the ball moving around and force some shots. Yeah, shorten it up a bit. I think it makes sense. My understanding is that this is basically going to the rule they were hoping to implement when they actually first put a shot clock in and wanted to go to, to 80 for the initial possession and then 60 on a repossession because they do have a 20 second clear period but just the tech technology with the shot clocks and just making it work was not really available so my understanding is that's what they're doing is going to that they can make it work now so i like it but yeah maybe 30 and field a little short but i don't know 40 i mean the pll goes 56 i'd say i'd say 45 i don't know but i'm with you shorten it up and uh, we're gonna wrap up the rundown with a pretty fun play the the uh, Salt City Eels making their debut in IBLA Empire North and Leroy Halftown goes back and does his best Kimbo Squire impersonation. Kimbo Squire made a huge save in an arena lacrosse league game. Actually, I guess it was a Sealax game back in the day. Leroy Halftown goes back, bails out Goa Abrams, who had been pulled for the extra attacker, heads to the to heading off the bench, but couldn't get there in time. And a huge save. Um, I think Leroy Halftown might be better than you, Tanner. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not get <laughs> carried away here. <laughs> to be oh, fair, I've played that a couple of times. He's way better than I am. That's for sure. That, you know what? That IBLA is really doing great things. Uh, goalies like that make it interesting to watch. I think that's great for the league. Senior eight, those players are developing. They got the connection with the NLL as well. And the Northern Collegiate Box Across League as well that was playing in Rochester. You shared the video. There are things happening there in the States for the Box League. And those players might get a crack at the National Cross League if things go well, who knows? Eventually, right? Could take a little while, but they're definitely, the quality of play is getting better and better. And that's huge, like you said, for development of the game in the US. And that's exactly what we're here for, to support these players, these athletes, and this game that we love. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Cross League, the show. And that will wrap up the episode.